Hey guys, thanks for listening. I have had a great time pulling out some of my older episodes. And this week I am bringing back Megan Griffin, the founder of Skin Farm. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks. You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm Claire O'Brien, your host. I'm a nurse practitioner. And today I'm actually in Nashville, um, Tennessee. We took a basically tour of the South with my little family and drove to Georgia and then drove up to Nashville. And we're going to stay here for a few days with our best friends. Um, So I'm super excited. I reached out to my friend Megan Griffin, who owns a extremely cool company here in Nashville and now in Atlanta called Skin Farm. Megan's also a nurse practitioner, and she's going to sit down and chat with me today about kind of everything, how she started, how she and her business got through the glory that has been COVID. Um, yeah. And everything. So hello, Megan. Hey, Claire. How are you? I'm good. Megan's also pregnant and I'm at my friend Reems's house and Reems is here watching us. So this is funny and yeah. awkward and welcome. You've got a, a lot of, oh yeah, they're both pregnant. So there's actually five a room people full in this of room. pregnant people. No, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Four, five. Um, okay. Megan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like where did you go to school? And when did, how long have you been a nurse practitioner? Okay. Um, so as Claire said, I'm Megan Griffin. I'm the founder of Skin Farm. Um, and like Claire, I'm a nurse practitioner, which I don't know if we need to talk too much about. I'm sure you spent some time yeah. on the podcast talking about what a nurse practitioner is. Um, I mean, sort of. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Well, we can kind of wrap that into schooling. Yeah. Um, so... Well, and there's so many different ways to become a nurse practitioner now, I think, um, or to go about nursing, but I received my bachelor's um, degree here in Nashville at Belmont University to become um, a registered nurse and graduated in 2011 and then worked here in the ICU um, at St. Thomas, now called, or it was St. Thomas West, now called St. Thomas Midtown. Um, and then traveled to some different ICUs in Nashville and then went back to school to become a nurse practitioner. So that involved getting my master's degree. Um, and I became a family nurse practitioner. There's mm-hmm. different ones. I'm an I'm adult. Okay. So you can be adult family peds. Okay. And psych. do they have and women's women's health? Women's psych, yeah. acute care. There's a few. Okay. I think. But. Um so became a family nurse practitioner in 2014, um, and I went to TSU here in Nashville. Um, and during that time, so I worked in the ICU for two years, and when I started the program to become a nurse practitioner, I uh, started working for a plastic surgeon, which is kind of where a lot of this begins. Mm-hmm. So we could spend some time talking about that. But um, I've been a nurse practitioner then for what, like... Six years. Six years. So yeah. were you a nurse in their office? Or what? So how did, uh, so I knew um, the plastic surgeon that I worked for until 2017 uh, because I was a, their babysitter. Oh, that's so um, funny. Okay. Yeah. And I met him. So he, um, 
still operates, I'm sure, at St. Thomas. And so I'd run into him there. And I had a friend who babysat for their family. They have four girls. Um, And I started sitting for him, um, learned more about plastic surgery, and he was looking for an RN. So um, I started helping him with like pre-op, post-op. And he, so he's heavy reconstructive surgery. Uh Um, So there's really like two different, I always say there's two different sides of plastic surgery and two different sides of dermatology. Like you can get pretty medical and you can get pretty cosmetic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So he really initially needed me to do like pre-op, post-op care in the clinic. Mm -hmm. So I was learning more about the reconstructive side. Um, And then... During school, uh, gained more interest in aesthetics and him being heavy reconstructive really kind of just like allowed me to spearhead the aesthetic part of plastic surgery that didn't exist at his office. Um, and is that, did you right away start putting your stuff on Instagram? Cause I feel like I, you were like, I was telling Reams this today. I'm like, I literally remember following you on Instagram when you first must have been doing that now in hindsight, knowing how long you've been out of school. And I was like, Oh, look at this. I didn't really, I didn't realize NPs could do this and we're doing all this. And it it just had never Mm -hmm. occurred to me. And so did you immediately know that you wanted to, to start doing that, putting that on Instagram? So I was thinking about this today and I think I started my Instagram page about aesthetics in 2013 and I I wish uh-huh. I still had it because through yeah, where did like it go? starting Skin Farm I think I turned my what did I do whichever feet whichever page had the most followers I just like turned that into my business page right and I think I had some personal like infant pictures of Nori and yeah, you I did. was like let's delete those I might have yeah. even archive them so I could probably figure it out if I went back and looked at the archived post but yes I did I did start Instagram. Before it became a big thing with aesthetic medicine, honestly. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and I say that because it was like my before and afters, like the quality of the pictures was just comical. And I would do like procedure videos, which we still do, but I would, um, like they were just so in there. Like it would be like so close to their face, yeah. but I was like, this is what the people want. But, and then we did, and that was great though, because yeah. nobody else was really doing it. And it was like right. so fascinating to watch. And I, I loved following you. Yeah. I so. think it... Um, Brad, who's my husband, like never, he, if we were like at a party and I think there were some girls looking at my feed and then they started asking me about Botox and he was like, wow, this is really happening. And you have 800 followers. <laughs> I <laughs> right. was like, right. yeah, I think they like You're it. Famous. Um, so, so yeah. And when I say aesthetic medicine, I don't have you, I don't know if you've had anyone on yet talking about, Mm-mm. okay. Mm-mm. Um, That means that I did, like, injectables, so that's Botox. I'm sure everyone's heard of. Um, We can talk more about, like, what what other options there are and what Botox actually is, Um, and filler and lasers and skincare. So those those are the things that I did when he was busy in the OR. And then in addition to that, when I graduated from nurse practitioner school, we sat down and said, okay, how can we really utilize myself as a nurse practitioner now? Mm Mm-hmm. And so I continued to do what I was already doing, but then I also started going to the OR with him, mm-hmm. um, and I would first assist, and uh, it was really fun. I learned how oh, to I suture. Hate the OR. Gosh, I hate it. It's cold, and you can't touch anything, and it's, I, I 
it's like my personal nightmare. I hate the OR. So when, when did you work in the OR? Well, so I worked in surgery for like 10 years, but I always was in the outpatient part of it. Uh But periodically, like I'd have to go in and learn, just like learn stuff. So if I was training for something new, I'd go in. So, I mean, it's not, I didn't, I never worked in the OR. Yeah. I, ha- I mean, I hate it. Every time I go in there, I was like, I hate this place. I hate this place. So I ended up feeling the same way. <laughs> um, it, it's freezing cold and you yeah. can't touch your face. And I just. Yeah. You have itch on your nose. and Well, and. But you're so also the, sweating because you have like 12 mm-hmm. layers of sterile things on. I mean, I, oh my gosh. I think. And people really either love it or hate it. Yes. Um, and I'm glad. So when I worked to backtrack a little bit, when I worked in the ICU as an RN, um, a lot of people, when they were going back to school, they were deciding if they were going to go back to become a nurse practitioner or a CRNA. That was your right. um, like advanced degree that you would move on to. And I decided nurse practitioner, I'm so glad I did because typically that's more of like a clinic setting where CRNA, right. you are at the head of the bed. You're only in the OR. Yeah, you're in the OR, um, which is also an amazing career. But I... If you like the OR. Picked, if you don't yes. like the OR, you should not be a CRNA. You should not. Yeah. That's, that's helpful for our yes. listeners. You're know. welcome for that. <laughs> Little, there's your first pearl. <laughs> Write that down. Um, so I quickly learned that I liked my patients not sedated, mm-hmm. um, by being in the ICU and the OR. And I went back to the clinic and spent more time there, um, continuing to see pre and post-op patients. So a lot of that was like managing infection and, um, pain meds after surgery, but then continued to grow my clientele. And, um, in 2014, which is also when I graduated, I started, I got picked up by InMode. Um, which is a laser company. Are you uh-huh. familiar with them? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were mainly like radio frequency based, which um, is like a, it's a technology that you use to rejuvenate the skin. Um, but then they also had a laser, uh, a diode laser for hair removal. And then they had IPL, which is intense pulse light, which. When you say you got picked up by them, what do you mean? Like to become a trainer. Oh, oh, oh okay. yeah. So I would, when I was not working during the week in the clinic, I would travel, um, mainly like along the East coast to uh-huh. train different offices. Um, and I think that was a pivotal point in my career because, I was seeing all different kinds of offices um, buying this laser, and then I would go in and train their staff. And it would be like a really well-known esthetician on Fifth Avenue or um, non-clinicians, but a couple that was really connected in, I think it was like Roslyn Heights in Mm -hmm. New York. Mm -hmm. Um, Or an anesthesiologist in internal medicine. So I think that gave me the confidence um, once I started kind of like getting ideas for branding and merchandising and thinking about what I'd want to do with a company. I had seen that so many different levels of clinicians and different models were being used in this space. So that's when I was like, okay, I think I can do this. It gave you confidence to know you had proper training and background and schooling and everything. Yeah. The experience that you needed to to move forward. So when you, you were working for this plastic surgeon, but you like, did you kind of always know, I think I'm going to do my own thing? Honestly, no. Yeah. Um, which I think is important to be honest about because I do get a lot of questions about, um, like it might be anywhere from, you know, I love skin farm and I'd like to start something like that one day, or how do I get my foot in the door? Mm -hmm. Um, they might be RN or an MP and they want to get their foot in the door with a dermatology or plastic surgery office. Um, and the answer is so much more than me responding with a DM. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think 
that this podcast that we're doing could actually be really helpful helpful to explain my unique path, um, and all the exposure that I had, which really let me know what I wanted to do. Right. Um, but I come from like my whole family is entrepreneurs. So sometimes looking back, I'm like, duh, like, how did I not know this is what I wanted to do? But I think, um, it all really did happen organically. And I, I really did just have this idea that I finally, that kept eating at me. And I realized that it wasn't going to happen unless if I started my own thing. And my husband, um, Brad, who we were talking about earlier, he's a startup guy. So, I mean, that was like, yeah, that, that's what really made me take the leap. Um, but I didn't, I didn't, ever mind working for people or a business. And I actually think that I have amazing work ethics. So I think I was a good employee and didn't really think like, I want to be my own boss because there's plenty that comes with that. Yeah. You know what I wanted to know? And I was like, Oh gosh, can I ask her this publicly? And you can not answer, but (laughs) I wondered, I was like, gosh, when you left, like when you left the plastic surgery practice to go Mm -hmm. and do your own thing where they was your, I mean, I just think about different relationships with Mm -hmm. different attendings. Like I had one attending who I consider like a a close friend and then one who was literally like you're disposable, you know? So it's such a bad, were they supportive or he was incredibly supportive. Um, he's also just a really good person, Um, which I think helped. Right. Um, I, I won't say that I don't, I don't think it was tough for either of us, but it happened so gradually. So Mm -hmm. the way that that happened, um, I founded Skin Farm in 2017 and I subleased space from him right. for two years right. until we built out a flagship. So, um, in a way, you know, I felt that I was, I was giving back by paying some rent and, you know, kind of hanging around. Rent. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that was really, it's kind of how I like to go about everything is not to bite off more than I can chew. And so it made sense to rent, um, three days a week mm-hmm. until I filled my schedule up. Mm-hmm. And then I think, so it was 2017, I became pregnant with my second baby and realized that during maternity leave, these patients weren't going to be seen. And Carly mm-hmm. was like, Hey, I'm ready to come work at skin farm. And again, who's the cutest? Carly's amazing. She's the cutest. She's out on maternity leave and we miss her so much. Yeah. She's, but, a, um, she's a poodle. She was so, she was so awesome to be like the first nurse practitioner too, because again, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I didn't for years say like, I'm going to have a nurse practitioner work for me. Right. So, um, we learned those ropes together and, um, as she and I got busier, like it it definitely got to the point where it was awkward and we were just bursting at the seams at that current office. And that's why we built out our flagship here in Nashville off of 21st Avenue. Um, but we were there, like I said, for a full two years and he, um, he was the medical director too. So, and that also was another relationship that kind of helped him out financially right. because we were, as you know, you pay a fee for that. So. Right. So then what now he's not the medical director, which is, he's not. So, and that was another, I mean, it's a tough conversation, but he respected that I moved to having a medical director who was a dermatologist at the time. Yeah. And I felt when I was like going, like moving out of that space into my own space and right. taking on more providers, um, I wanted to team up with a 
dermatologist because I found that that's where I had the most questions. Right, right. Um, and so that... Because um, he wasn't really in, in the... It's, a, it's interesting. I don't think people realize, like you touched on this briefly, but mm-hmm. the plastic surgeons can be heavily involved in aesthetic medicine, mm-hmm. doing tons of filler, laser, plastics, whatever, face stuff, but mm-hmm. then also not at all. Like, I mean, I, right. two of the re, the plastic surgeons I used to work with di- really didn't do much of that at all. Mm-hmm. They did a ton of recon. Yes. And so that's really, I mean, y'all are doing two very different things. Yeah. Right? So. It, so what I usually say is he, he provided me the platform, mm-hmm. um, which I'm thankful for. He talked me through like my first, uh, the first person I injected was my mom with Botox, which I would not recommend to anyone. (laughs) My mom is the worst. Mom, Natalie Vernon. I don't know if you're listening. I did my mom's Botox when I was at home and she, the whole time she's like, this is so painful. Are you doing it right? Yeah. And I'm like, you would not, no one does this. It's just you. Like Mm -hmm. I'm never going to do your Botox. She's just the worst. The worst. Yes. I mean, my mom still comes to me and <laughs> we've, uh, we've come pretty far, but, um, that. that was, uh, and I, I think for him, he was like, you're coming from the ICU, just like take this needle and put it in their face. And oh, it was a good start. And then yeah. I went to some palate courses, which, um, would be another thing to note for people asking, um, mm-hmm. how to go about trainings. I do think that I was required to be employed by some, someone in plastic surgery or dermatology. Are you, are you CAN certified? I'm not. What, oh. is, what is that? Oh, it's like certified aesthetic nurse something. Okay. But, and it, but it, you can only get that certification if you've spent like a certain amount of time in a plastic, basically like a plastic surgery setting. Okay. You have to be nominated for it and all that. So I don't know if that was what you're... I'm sure I've spent that amount of time doing. Right. You probably could get it. <laughs> not that it matters now. Oh. <laughs> no. And I loved, speaking of training, I love doing that. And I... Um, I was approached by a couple companies to train, but at the time I was training, we were so Your fastly own. growing right, yeah, that right. I kind of, I just prioritized training skin farm providers. Um, but, and, and the only other thing we should mention as far as, um, like my journey to becoming a nurse practitioner, my journey to where I am now is that, um, the plastic surgeon that I worked for also employed a dermatologist for one year out of the time that I was there. Oh, that's unique. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so I worked alongside her, Mm -hmm. um, and she's an amazing like medical dermatologist, great clinician, knows Mm -hmm. every weird rash that could walk through the door. Right. And, um, so I did like head to toe skin exams with her and evaluated rashes and common skin disorders and removed skin cancers mm, um, and loved doing it. Yeah. But well, when I say I loved doing it, that's a little bit mm. of a fib. Um, I really liked learning um, about it right. and feel like it's very, that foundation is so important to what I still practice and train right. all of the providers at, um, at skin farm. But I always, I think we know that my true love was cosmetic dermatology. Right. So that whole time, um, through everything I mentioned, I was still building my aesthetic client foundation. And yeah. Yeah. All that. Um, so through seeing dermatology and plastic surgery, I really feel like I got this like invaluable look into mm-hmm. these specialties that not everyone can, but mm-hmm. that's why I say to spend so much time shadowing before 
committing to a company for a lot of reasons from a business owner perspective. Um, you know, we invest a lot of time and money in providers that come on and when we train them, mm-hmm. but also just for you so that you're not wasting time by building your clientele. And then you find out that it's not, um, the specialty that you want because there's definitely different kinds of businesses and different models. And in dermatology, it might be fast paced and you might see 40 patients a day, um, that are insurance based and, or you might slow down and do like cosmetic dermatology like we do and maybe see like, I mean, at Skin Farm, if you see like 12 to 15 patients a day, that's a packed day and Mm -hmm. it's procedural. Mm -hmm. So we just slow down a little bit more. Yeah. Everything's Um, a procedure. Yes. Who um, do you, I love your branding too. I I mean, it's all, it's so well curated and polished and just everything flows together. And are you kind of at the forefront of all that? Or do you have a company that does it for you or a person or? So... I definitely lead it, mm-hmm. um, and I always, I always will talk to my husband and be like, "What is my job now?" Because my job just continues to evolve. So it's everything, probably. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's become less. Um, by, by the way, I still practice one day a week, and I always will. Um, I think that it's so important to continue to be a clinician, and in order to lead the team. I need to be in the room um, seeing patients, and that's what I love to do. That's where it all started. But um, it's turned into me being more of, like, the culture police and, um, like, just kind of leading the vision and making sure that we're staying on on track and short-term and long-term strategy. So um, branding-wise, and I kind of want to backtrack a little bit to talk about, like, so when you talked about me starting Instagram, Mm -hmm. I managed our Instagram until 2017. Like I did every post and Mm -hmm. I think it was one night in bed I was posting and Brad was like, you should probably look into getting some help. So tedious. It's yeah, I really, but I'm so glad I did it Yeah, because I think that I'm that much more helpful to our marketing director now who does it because we, she's kills it. Um, but there's still plenty of times where I'll have an idea and we collaborate. Right. Um, But so that has evolved from like me managing the post, me like pulling um, the front desk because we didn't have a full schedule. So I could like pull her and she would get a video and then I would edit it and then we would post Mm -hmm. it to now we have like our own photographer. Yeah. Um, And then branding, like I used 99 designs for our first logo because I didn't know where to go. And Brad told me that's what they used at their startup company. Um, but now we have a third party where we just actually went through this like huge, um, I don't know if I'd say rebrand, but we definitely like revisited our brand, redid our website, mm-hmm. um, and did not change the logo, but we have changed the logo since we've opened. You added um, like some colors and yeah, we did some different colors. Yeah. Um, I like them a lot. I'm digging them. Yeah. It looks really good. It's a different color palette. Um, but yes, I'm involved in all of it. I love doing yeah. all of that. And uh, it's very beautiful if you don't thank follow. You. So Skin Farm, it's Farm with a PH, by the way. I don't know if we said that, but um, if you're like curious about any, basically anything aesthetic, um, you can definitely, you should follow them. And it's just, it's so, it's really well done and, and really pretty. And I love all the NPs that work for you are great on Thanks. there too. But you were talking a little bit about, Vision and vision for the brand. Mm-hmm. So what you went from Nashville to Atlanta and then maybe somewhere next, but what, what drives you to expand? Um, 
the demand, patients asking us to come to their city, and, and it's it's more than that because you can get a simple DM and someone could say, we, we wish you were in Boston, and I don't think that that means you should go open a clinic in Boston, right. Um, right. especially when virtually we've managed to reach people throughout the U.S. with our phone consults and our online store. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, you have to think of, like, what made us expand outside of Nashville, mm-hmm. and our online store was growing faster than I ever thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, and one night we were sitting down looking at the cities that, and that were supporting our online store. And number one was Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and the number two was Atlanta. And we were like, that's, that's okay. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so we were like, let's just, let's take like a weekend trip down to Atlanta. And we took our kids. Um, so it was kind of like our first scouting trip. And I fell in love with it all over again. So I had spent time in Atlanta. Um, I went to high school here in Hendersonville, which is like 30 minutes outside of Nashville. And my family would go down there on the weekend. We'd like go to the aquarium. Mm -hmm. My mom would love shopping down there because if you can imagine shopping in Nashville then was not great. Yeah. Um, Shopping in Atlanta is always... It's always better, right? Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, And I was like, I feel like Atlanta is kind of... um, underestimated. Mm -hmm. It's a big city. I think it's super cool. And when we were there, I ran into a few people that were familiar with Skin Farm. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I actually met uh, one of our providers there when I was um, getting sushi on a bar top. And it just seemed so like meant to be. It's like we already had this presence there. It was just pulling us that it felt silly to not open. Um, and so I guess we just kind of like sat down and we were like, what does this look like? And we had just opened our flagship in Nashville in 2019 and that summer decided to open in Atlanta and open Atlanta in March of 2020. Great timing. Great timing. Best timing. Well played (laughs) universe. So what, what, what was that? I mean, everybody, unless you, I mean. Obviously, everybody knows March of 2020 is when the universe mm-hmm. imploded. So, what? So, did you even get to open? I thought that mm-hmm. you couldn't even really open, or so, were you open for like a week? You're probably thinking that we didn't get to throw our. You didn't um, do your grand opening, party, right? Yeah, because we keep talking about that. We're sad. I'm sorry. Um, just rub salt in the wound. So we did open, and if you think like that prep came, I mean, we had been prepping to open for nine months, um, and then we opened for two weeks, and on March 16th. Decided to shut down, um, and I quote, like, shut down, because we'll talk more about what we did during that time, but um, closed down the physical locations due to the virus, and um, I think that, like, making the decision itself was so exhausting that I went home, and I remember I called my husband on the way home, and I was like, put a pizza in the oven, and I, like, (laughs) ate it in bed, and... That's like the heaviest I slept for the next six weeks because mm-hmm. then we woke up and we were like, okay, what do we do? Yeah. Um, so we... Because you're paying rent. Uh-huh. And you just and, like built this space out. So you're like... Yeah. And a, and a team. Um, and we... Well, we knew immediately um, that we were keeping the team and that we were paying them. And yeah. we did. Um, and I say that only because I know there were some companies that within like 24 to 48 hours would, you know, lay everybody off, lay everyone off or furlough. And that's for their own reasons. But, um, so we were just, we kind of had to get creative, which we have been good at doing before. So we focused on the online store and marketing. 
um, and phone consults. And um, the online store got so busy that the whole Nashville team had to support e-commerce. Like if you went into what is our Nashville clinic, mm-hmm. it was a warehouse. Like there was yeah. just like, there was bubble wrap and boxes just, and tissue yeah. and skincare and all that stuff everywhere. Yeah. Um, so we had to forward all of our phone consults to Atlanta. So that was great for our Atlanta providers to kind of keep morale up and talk to people throughout the U.S. They yeah. were just amazing. The different states that would call in to have a skincare routine developed by us and we would ship them products. Um, and it was a really crazy time to see the support from the skin farm community. And so I think it just reiterated what we've built because we were like, right. these people, they were just so supportive, um, during this time that we were out of office and yeah. remained profitable and were able to keep the team. So that's, that's, that is amazing. It is. Yeah. yeah. You've just built such a, such an incredible brand and, and following. And I think, I think part of that too is people, I mean, at least so we're, Megan and I are, I think pretty much the same age. You might be a little bit younger than me, but, um, people love you're 32. Yeah. Yes. I'm 36. I'm sorry. She's like aged for several years, but, um, Trying, I don't have Botox right now. It's not helping me. Oh yeah. That's it. That's mm-hmm. definitely the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I just have always loved seeing, you know, we all love seeing a, a women-owned company, women-led. I mean, there's, you know, you're a nurse practitioner, and I, I think I think people just love seeing seeing that and seeing the the success that you've brought for this this brand. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a cool company, and all of it. Bravo. Thank you. Congrats. Thanks. What else do we need to talk about? Do you want to give some skin tips while you're here? I can give some skin tips for sure. Wear your SPF, guys. Right. Um, Was it Jennifer Garner that said recently nothing looks better in your 50s than sunscreen in your 20s? Oh, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that quote go around. And it's so true. Um, Well, and so that's a huge part of why um, I didn't want to like only inject Botox or filler for the rest of my life. While it's so fun and still a lot of what we do, it right. like pained me to see people invest that amount of money, but then come in just like leathery from like not out of the wearing tanning bed. Yeah, get out of the tanning bed. Um, and I've practiced long. I don't know that we're seeing this a lot anymore, but mm-hmm. I'm like. I did early on have to yank people out of the tanning bed and yeah. it, that was always a win for me when they would be like, I stopped and they look it so much better. It shocks me. Like if I, it's almost like smoking to me right now where I'm like, if you're, are you serious? You go mm-hmm. to the tanning bed? But I do, I mean, I think it is almost a waste of your Botox money if you're not taking yeah. care of your skin, you know? I agree entirely. Yeah. And I think that's why, I mean, I, I would prefer to, so this is another reason that we, I do love going into, um, new cities and States because even though we are reaching people virtually, um, seeing people in person really helps because you can sit down and assess their skin and, um, talk about a skincare routine. Like Mm -hmm. first talk about what you're going to do to address their concerns and their skin type and even, teach them how they're going to deal with the rosacea flare that's going to happen because you can't cure rosacea or teach Mm -hmm. them how to deal with the hormonal breakout because they're going to, they're going to experience ovulation in two weeks. Um, 
So it's empowering to develop that skincare routine and tell them like why they're using it and why we're selecting these ingredients for them. And then making the treatment plan the next priority, Mm -hmm. um, I think shows that we're not going to just inject you with Botox for five years and then it'd be a shock that you've been coming to us and we haven't even had you on a vitamin C and an SPF when we show the whole time. That's our job. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, what is, what's probably your most common, commonly asked like skincare question? I feel like, well, I feel like melasma people just really Melasma is definitely getting more popular. Um, and especially this time of year with the UV radiation and heat. Um, I would say it's still going to be acne, like breakouts. We we do a lot of acne and like pigmentation, which Mm -hmm. melasma falls under that. But you might have like the red spots that can come after acne. So PIE or post-inflammatory erythema, or if you're darker skin tone, it would be PIH, which is post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. I'm saying these terms just because I feel like we probably see them all the time and you're like, I don't know what that is. Should I diagnose myself with that? And then um, melasma is different in that that's more related to UV radiation, hormones, and heat. That's not as easy to treat. Um, So I I do think we do a lot of, and we address that with both skincare and treatments um, at Skin Farm. Um, and all of those can be recurring. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why I said just kind of discussing long-term plan with people. And I think them knowing that it's not going to be cured is, it's definitely, it's important to set the right expectations up front so that. Yeah, no, totally. I think, not, I think that's something we really see a lot too in busy, gosh, I don't want to sound like negative, but. I mean, just like my personal experience with um, like a busy cosmetic dermatologist, you know, and it, I remember she like came in the room, told Mm -hmm. me five things and then like moved Mm -hmm. on out. And that was before I understood melasma. I mean, several Mm -hmm. years ago. And I remember being like, well, I did the things, but then it came back. Mm -hmm. Well, if no one explains to you, Mm -hmm. it's going to come back. Like this is always going to come back. So then I was unhappy and I felt like I'd wasted money and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I, I feel like patient education is such a important yeah. Part of it. Um, okay. What's your, what is, let's talk about when to say no. Like when mm-hmm. do you say no to injectables besides um, like pregnancy and nursing? That's not, that doesn't yeah. count. Like when does somebody yeah, come in no and say, I want X, Y, Z. And you're like, no. Mm-hmm. Well, so I think, um, so at skin farm, we don't have, um, medical assistants. And so like your nurse practitioner or physician assistant at Skin Farm will do the entire visit. So we're getting the history and we're getting the the subjective. Mm -hmm. So during that time, we get to talk to the patient and learn what's been going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can learn a lot. I think as women, we just kind of (laughs) like word vomit on each other. Yeah, verbally vomit. Um, And that's very beneficial because if you are going through a hard time, we can talk about whether or not it's an appropriate time to do a cosmetic procedure that might change your appearance. Right. Um, You just want to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. And we always say that that's for you, not for anyone else. Right. Um, That's going to set you up for success. And then um, as far as when to not continue injecting, I feel thankfully... Skin Farm has this reputation of conservatively injecting. Very much, um, yeah, which is great. And like to the point that people will be like, I know you're not going to do this, so I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> um, but I think if you focus on 
preserving someone's appearance rather Mm -hmm. than changing their appearance, which I think we're all kind of hearing that trend now, right? Like we're not trying to change appearance. We might even say we're trying to enhance features, but I'm even trying to move away from that and focus more on preserving appearance. So that might mean that I'm 32, five years ago, I didn't notice my smile lines as much. Mm -hmm. So I want to preserve that youth that I noticed five years ago. So I'm going to inject my smile lines just a little bit, Hmm. not over inject it, not Mm -hmm. try to change my appearance, but preserve that youthfulness. So I think if you focus on that, um, and then it comes down to like selecting the right product and how much to inject and the technique, Um, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, yeah, but that's like kind of my big tip. No, that makes, that's a great way to, to say it is not so much the goal was, would be, the goal would not be changing your appearance, right? But the goal would be preserving your, your youth. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to say it. It's almost, and we should encourage, it'd be really great if everyone would like take a mugshot of yourself today and no one loves a mugshot, but truly like take a picture of yourself today mm-hmm. because your provider could use that here in like two years, five years, 10 years, because you might be like, this is what I'm talking about. I have always been happy with how I looked, but I mm-hmm. want to look like her 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or someone might even say, I love my mom and she's beautiful, but I can kind of see how she's aging and it's here in the mid face. So can we address my mid face today? Yeah. Um, oh, talk about mid face. Cause I feel yeah. like people want specific things addressed. And so they might go and say, Hey, I really want my tear troughs done. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, we got to do other things first, but mm-hmm. we, that's hard to explain. So, um, yes, like treating globally. So tear troughs, um, that's the area under your eyes. And we do, um, a lot of tear trough filler at skin farm. Um, But there's different ways. So when a patient comes in, we're going to look at their entire face. We're always going to ask them what bothers them and sometimes even have them look in the mirror. That can be good and bad depending on the patient. (laughs) Um, But it's really helped before because I've had someone come in for under eye filler specifically. Mm -hmm. And I really felt that her volume loss was so, so mild and she was aging appropriately that I might've done her a disservice by injecting hyaluronic acid filler there. So I gave her the mirror and I said, what exactly is it that bothers you? And she smiled like she did a cheesy smile and it was the dynamic lines around her eyes. And it was, that's a Botox fix. Yeah. yeah. So rather than a $900 procedure, yeah, you saved her a lot of money, yeah. saved her a lot of money. Um, but hopefully gained a lifelong patient by yeah. just being honest. Yeah. Um, but your question about mid face filler there, there's a, a fair amount of times that someone will come in wanting under eye filler, but they might have, um, some, you call it malar flattening or like mid face flattening. Um, and you want to first address that by building up that mid face, regaining that structure that we lose with time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might mean that we only do the mid face filler or cheek filler is what you'd hear it be called. Or we might do the cheek filler and the under eye filler in the same appointment, or we might spread it out. But, mm-hmm. um, it, you really want to go to someone that's able to look at the face as a whole and take into account all of your facial features because some women, like sometimes, I mean, it might be like every four weeks, but I'll be like, Ooh, I just did a juicy pair of lips, but it's because that face could handle it. Yeah. Um, yeah. so you have to be selective with who you do that on. I think it's hard to, I'm, I cannot imagine how much harder Instagram is making your job now than five years ago because 
you know, you see all these posts of before and afters, and it's really easy. Well, first of all, we don't know exactly what was done. I mean, even sometimes people will say what, what was done, but, you know, they come in with this specific, I want this exactly, when that's not what this person's face mm-hmm. actually needs. So, I mean, I can't imagine how much harder Instagram is making your job now. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's probably partially why we have a job, but yeah, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> like it's why I got four skin treatments last week, but right, uh, right. no, I think as long as you, so it never really bothers me if someone brings in, like I have, um, one of my girls who kind of resembles Megan Fox and she'll talk about her lips. And as long as I say, okay, just remember that you, you are not her and you are so-and-so and you are beautiful. Um, but then it still lets me know like the kind of aesthetic that she's going for. Yeah. So, yeah. but again, that's, you have to, you have to be the right provider for that person so yeah. that you are able to have that tough conversation of saying, I'm aware of what you're wanting and that you want some lateral volume here and that you might even want the lip ratio to not be one to two. You want more like one to one. Um, is that right? Mm -hmm. So I'm fine having the visual, um, unless if they like bring it in every time and it becomes a little bit of an obsession, then you're gonna have to have a different kind of conversation with them. (laughs) Right. But that's what we're there for. Perhaps they need a therapist, which maybe sometimes we are. Yeah. Yeah. Just about everyone needs it. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, so do you know where you're going next? Do you want to say? Um, I have an idea. I can't mm-hmm. share it. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love to share it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I need to spend a little more time there first. Which so, is And hard. it's been hard. It's been yeah. hard traveling. Um, you've probably seen us talk, if you do follow us, we've, and you'll notice that um, just about all the decisions we make are heavily based on what our patients and our followers say, and that hasn't right. failed us yet. Yeah. Um, so we're going to continue to do that. And if you see us ask where to go. I promise we actually read those responses um, and we tally them up and we see what cities are top cities. So we have like three in mind, um, one I'm really partial to, and then there's one where I'm from. Um, that's not super high on the list, but I think it'd just be fun to be back in my birth city too. Yeah. So yeah. we just have to decide. I never, I don't want to go too fast because I don't, I don't want to lose the culture sure. as we've spent some time talking about. Um, but I think, I think that we've kind of got it down, and as long as people continue to support Skin Farm, we're just going to keep growing into other cities. Yeah, no, for sure. And what are some things you do to keep the culture in your practice? Honestly, like as cheesy as it sounds, I just try to live it. I yeah. think that's probably the easiest way, and it's like the least exhausting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can just live it and be a good example, um, that's probably, yeah, and then just frequently checking in. Like my job has become more checking in with everyone. And mm-hmm. thankfully I like talking. So yeah. whether it be texting, slacking, emailing, calling someone after work to see how it went with their like new procedure that they had that day. Right. I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, and it's probably like the mama bear in me. I'm just kind of nurturing yeah. and like love checking in on everyone. Yeah. So yeah. how many, how many people work for you now? Um, I think it's like, I think we're at like 15. Yeah. And then some freelance, which mm-hmm. feels like so huge to me. Yeah. That's big. That is big. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like this has been a well-established company for so long. And then, so then to hear you say the timeline, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like a baby, but it's, it's like it a is. baby that got, that grew up really quickly. It grew up way too fast. Way too, way too fast. The baby. <laughs> like all, like our real babies. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it does. And, and that's a, we hear, that's a huge compliment. We've heard that before that, um, 
they thought that we've been around longer, which makes me feel like we're doing something right. For sure. Um, but then sometimes I'm like, no, we, we're still learning. You know, we're still like under five years. You're never going to be not learning though. Like when you, when you own your own business. Right. I mean, right. It's always going to be something, man. Well, thank you for coming all the way out here to talk to me. Thank you. This was good. Um, you can find Megan where on Instagram. On Instagram, well, and everywhere. Let's do skin, so, Skin Farm is S K I N P H A R M dot C O. Um, and then my personal feed is Megan M A E G A N, and it's Griffin with three F's because that's all I could find. So, it's G R I F N F I N. I got that idea from my hair girl. Mm, that makes sense. And skinfarm.com? Um, and then skinfarm.com. We just got that domain. Uh, recently, we had a fight for that one. Really? So, oh, yeah. What was it before? I didn't realize you didn't have that. It was dot .co. Um, uh, yeah. Someone like in Denmark had it, and we Bastards. had to buy it. But Skin yeah. Farm, I was pretty hell bent on it because I thought of it one night when we were falling asleep, and I was like, "This is the name." Yeah, um, I, I love the name. So good. Thanks. So good. Yeah. So look her up. Um, and as always, if you like hearing from medical professionals and hearing anything on this podcast, please, please, please rate, subscribe. Tell your friends. It means so much. That's how people find us in podcasts. You can listen on Apple or Spotify. And I'll be in Nashville all week. Have some really fun people that I'm going to record with. And thanks, man. Thank you, Claire. Bye. Bye.